This is Casey Hendrickson on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. Well, thank you very much, and hello, CPAC. Do you miss me yet? Do you miss me yet? A lot of things going on with the tariffs and all these things that we had to do to get it, and now the farmers are doing great, but they're setting records. It means low taxes and eliminating job-killing regulations, Trumpism. It means strong borders, but people coming into our country based on a system of merit, so they come in and they can help us, as opposed to coming here and not being good for us, including criminals, of which there are many. It means no riots in the streets. It means law enforcement. It means very strong protection for the Second Amendment and the right to keep and bear arms. It means support for the forgotten men and women who have been taken advantage of for so many years and they were doing great. They were doing great before that horrible thing from China came in and hit us, and now they're starting to do really well again. Before, I am not starting a new party. That was fake news. Fake news, no. Wouldn't that be brilliant? Let's start a new party and let's divide our vote so that you can never win. No, we're not interested in that. And that's why I'm announcing that I will be actively working to elect strong, tough, and smart Republican leaders. We're tougher than they are. We're stronger than they are. Together in the coming years, we will carry forward the torch of American liberty. We will lead the conservative movement and the Republican Party back to a totally conclusive victory, and we've had tremendous victories. Don't ever forget it. With your help, we will take back the House. We will win the Senate, and then a Republican president will make a triumphant return to the White House. And I wonder who that will be. I wonder who that will be. that be? I wonder. To find the Republican Party in the years ahead. Very simple. It's really quite simple, isn't it? Another one of the most urgent issues facing the Republican Party is that of ensuring fair, honest, and secure elections. Such a disgrace, such a disgrace. Such a disgrace. We must pass comprehensive election reforms, and we must do it now. The Democrats used the China virus as an excuse to change all of the election rules without the approval of their state legislatures, making it therefore illegal. It had a massive impact on the election. Again, 
You have to go to the legislatures to get these approvals. This alone would have easily changed the outcome of the election at levels that you wouldn't have even believed. Even with COVID, even with all of the things, the numbers are staggering. We can never let this or other abuses of the 2020 election be repeated or happen again. Can never let that happen again. You see what's going on. We've been set back so greatly. Today, I want to outline the steps that we must take to have an election system in this country that is honest, fair, and accurate. We need one election day, not 45, 30. One day, like it's been. And if Republicans don't get this and the other things I'm going to say, then you should, like the Supreme Court, be ashamed of yourselves. One day, one day, the time has come to break up big tech monopolies and restore fair competition. Republicans, conservatives must open up our platforms and repeal Section 230 liability protections. And if the federal government refuses to act, then every state in the union where we have the votes, which is a lot of them, big tech giants like Twitter, Google, and Facebook should be punished with major sanctions whenever they silence conservative voices. President Trump at CPAC, little montage, deceptively edited, I might add, by yours truly, deceptively edited montage of President Trump at CPAC over the weekend. And uh, he, he, by the way, I mean, a lot of really, really great speeches that were done. I'm just going to play a small little snippet of Christy Gnomes here in just a little bit, because what she said was fantastic. And she talked about how South Dakota focused on kids and all of that stuff. And we'll get to all of that here in just a minute. Uh, I also want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Okay. First of all, happy Monday. And hopefully you're watching the live stream at dlive.tv slash Casey the host. And make sure you hit that follow button. And, I, you know, this is, this is going to be a busy week already, I can tell. And we're going to get to a breaking local story in St. Joseph County that affects the Democratic Party here locally. Uh, it's not, not not been a good year for them, to say the least. Well, I should say past 12 months, not like actual fiscal year. Uh, this is, you know, CPAC is kind of interesting to me because CPAC started off so good. And then several years ago, CPAC started losing their way. And it's like the swamp dwellers were taking over CPAC. And CPAC wasn't conservative anymore. It's just... It didn't have a conservative feel for it, and they were starting to abandon conservative principles, and they were starting to support establishment Republicans. And I've, I said it at the time. I said, CPAC right now, for me, this is a couple of years ago, mimics the Tea Party movement. And the Tea Party movement, for those of you who do not know, was grassroots. Those first Tea Parties, almost every single one of them were organized by by no-name people that nobody had ever heard of. They weren't influential. They were just citizens. They were just people. And they were organized to be nonpartisan. 
And the first tea parties, the very first tax day tea parties that we had in this country, vast majority of them did not have politicians speak. And the reason they didn't have politicians speak is because it wasn't about politicians supporting politicians or anything like that. It was purely about holding Washington, D.C.'s feet to the fire on tax policy. That's all it was about. And, and the Tea Party that we had in Las Vegas was organized by a young woman in her 20s. Her name was Susan. Nobody knew who she was. Nobody knew who she was. She was a friend of mine, but nobody knew who she was. And since then, people who had nothing to do with the first Tea Party, at least in Las Vegas, and I'm sure in other places, tried to take credit for organizing the very first one. You didn't. You didn't. It really is that simple. You know, the radio station got involved, and, and I remember yeah, at one point the uh, the program director calling me and going, hey, do you think this is going to be a big deal? I said, yeah, this is going to be a big deal. Should we get involved? Yes, we need to get involved immediately. There's always that, that dance, like, do we get involved in something new? Do we not get involved in something new? Can it blow up at us? You know, there's always that, that corporate dance that happens with these types of things. And, and I assured him that, yes, we needed to be involved in that. And we did. We, we got involved. We got Herman Cain involved. We got a br- bunch of people in, involved in um, you know, a lot of them were local activists and things like that. But politicians started contacting the organizers of the event. You know, re- Republicans out of the woodwork, you know, people we hadn't heard from before, all of a sudden they want to speak at the tax day tea party, right? They want to they present their platform and that sort of thing. And I remember having a meeting with Susan about this, and, and she says, what should I do here? And I said, look, you know, obviously this is, you know, primarily your event. And this isn't about supporting one party over the other. So you got to be real careful with that. I said, you know, but if you have them speak, you've got to allow the other party to speak. But you know they're not going to. You know Harry Reid's not going to show up. You know the Democrats aren't going to show up. You know that. And she made the decision not to let any politicians speak. And I think that was the right call. So what ended up happening with the Tea Party over over the next uh, uh, several months? Well, the group Tea Party Express showed up. Now, the thing about Tea Party Express is Tea Party Express was a group that was created by the Republican Party in California to take over the Tea Party movement. And that is exactly what they did. And they were successful. By and large, they were successful. There are other Tea Party groups. Some of them still exist. Uh, but by and large, the Tea Party Express became the face of the Tea Party. And what was interesting is that, you know, as, as somebody there at the ground, ground level, and I'm, I'm watching... I'm watching the whole movement be taken over by the Republican establishment. And I'm watching a bunch of people just kind of buy into it wholesale. And I'm watching this all happen. And I'm, I'm looking around. And I'm like, man, does nobody have any questions at all as to how this very expensive touring bus with this very expensive show with these very expensive, um, you know, vendors? And that's <laughs> like, does it does, is nobody stopping to wonder where in the world all of this money is coming from when this whole thing was started by people without money? Huh. And the truth is, it came from a small little Republican outfit in the People's Republic of California that was well-funded. And they essentially took over the movement. They just did. And so now, a few years back, right? So you go back uh, five, maybe six years. Okay, this is before Trump. And I'm sitting there 
and I'm looking at CPAC and some of the things that are coming out of CPAC. And it's right about the time that I really stopped kind of asking to go to CPAC. I still want to go. Don't get me wrong, because a lot of my friends are at CPAC. But it was right about the time where I was, you know, really not asking for permission to go anymore. And it just seemed like the establishment, like they did with the Tea Party, had taken over CPAC. And then it wasn't about conservative values anymore. And I wasn't alone. That was the year that Michelle Malkin gave, I think, the greatest speech at CPAC in, in its history. And she floored everybody. And then it wasn't long after that that, you know, some of the people who were intimately involved in running CPAC um, decided they didn't want Trump there. And it was just, it was just spun out of control. And then all of a sudden, after the first year of Trump, yeah, suddenly they want Trump there. It's conservatism, conservatism is back and that sort of thing. And it was just... It was a weird flip, and so there's always been a part of me that has looked at CPAC and has wondered how much of that enthusiasm at CPAC from the organizers, not from the attendees, but from the organizers, how much of that enthusiasm is simply riding a wave of cash, and how much of it is real? And I still don't know the answer to that. Now, CPAC itself is still a great event. Uh, A lot of my friends, true conservatives, people in radio, people in television, journalists, uh, obviously activists, they all still go to CPAC, and, and you should. If you have an opportunity to go, you should. But there's a part of me that wonders about the organizers. But if you watch CPAC this year, I think you got a different feel than you have over the previous four, five, maybe even six. It seems like CPAC has turned a corner. For the better. Now we'll see. But it seems that way. So call me cautiously optimistic that CPAC is actually back. It is actually conservative again. Just call me cautiously optimistic about that. But there was a different feel to CPAC this year than there has been in years past. I'm going to play a little bit of Christy Nome, the governor of South Dakota. Uh, not a lot. Just a little bit because she said something that I think is necessary to hear. We've got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. You know, I we had a conversation with some friends of mine today. I had a meeting that uh, went really long. That's why there wasn't any uh, extra content before the show today. But, you know, I think that we're running into a lot more people starting to realize that they don't really necessarily need to wear the mask as much as they do. Um, I've just noticed it a lot more. Now, one of the things that I've told you that I've run into on a regular basis throughout the pandemic is that Americans have abided by the mask guidance. And in fact, if you look at the statistic and the track, the statistics and the tracking data, Americans are one of the largest as a nation, largest compliers with the mask guidance that has come from our regulatory bodies, which emanates from the WHO. Um, you know, again, I've, I've done this number many times. You know, you're over 70% were abiding by the mask guidelines when the numbers dipped in the summer. And of course, politicians, the news media, everybody credited the mask with the reason that the virus was going away. 
in the summertime. Uh, and then in September, when we had the latest surge in the virus, the same number of Americans, according to tracking data, were wearing the mask in accordance to, to guidance. So uh, the mask at that point, we, we should have understood if you were a reasonable, thoughtful person, you should have understood at that point in time, based on the data that we had, the mask was not accomplishing what they were trying to tell you it was accomplishing. Um, and at that point, you should probably start questioning the way that everything else is being run. We already know that the lockdowns didn't work. We all understand all of this. But I always like pointing that statistic out because people just, they didn't know it because it wasn't presented to them. The media didn't tell them. You know, at, at the height of the surge, we had more Americans by percentage wearing masks than at any point during the pandemic, and it was worse than it had ever been. Now, I'm not saying that that's what was causing it, but I did tell you a couple of epidemiologists who thought that that might be connected, and they are, in fact, studying it in a couple of other countries, too. I think there's a small lab in the U.S. that's also looking into it. Um, but those should have been things that just kind of stood out to everybody right? Just just basic common sense. Like, all right, well, everything that we're doing just doesn't seem to be working as well as what they're telling us it, it should work. And I've told you the government response to that is, well, it's because not enough of you are listening to us. It's your fault, etc. Uh, I don't need to get into the whole thing again. And the reason I bring this up is um, up until just recently, everywhere I go, everybody is wearing the mask. Recently, I've started to notice a lot more people taking it off. Uh, I've talked with some of you on Discord and elsewhere that are saying, yeah, my like super gung-ho mask people that I work with or my family, they're starting to not wear it as much too. And I think there's probably a mix of a couple of different things. I think a lot of people are starting to realize, especially after the, hey, wear two masks, no three, no four, no, let's go back to one, no, maybe two. I think once people realize when that started going on, that really, Casey was right, hashtag told you, they're grasping at straws and they don't really know what to do. So I think there's some legitimacy there. I also think that because of the falling numbers, because I think of herd immunity, plus people have the vaccine out there, which they'll credit for the herd immunity. Um, I, I think that people are starting to get a little bit more comfortable. And I think it's starting to, to relax in their minds of what they really need to do. Now, this is Christy Nome, the governor of South Dakota, who is one of the states that stayed open and didn't close down and has thrived economically as well as with COVID. I want you to listen to what she said, and we're going to go a little bit long here, Joe, so I apologize, but I want you to listen to what she said in her speech. This is just a snippet of her 20-some-odd minute speech. It's a tiny little snippet, but I want you to listen to what Christy Nome says, because Christy Nome says what so many people are afraid to say. Have a listen. South Dakota, I provided all of the information that we had to our people, and then I trusted them to make the best decisions for themselves, for their families, and in turn, their communities. We never focused on the case numbers. Instead, we kept our eye on hospital capacity. Now, Dr. Fauci, he told me that on my worst day, I'd have 10,000 patients in the hospital. On our worst day, we had a little over 600. Now, I don't, I don't know if you agree with me, but Dr. Fauci is wrong a lot. All right, Joe, you can cut it down. That needed to be said. Now, it's it's the truth. Anybody who's paid any attention at all, and, and said, I, I don't understand the entry of Fauci. I don't know where it comes from because it doesn't make any sense. But that needed to be said. Anybody who's paid attention from the very beginning knows he has been wrong throughout this entire thing. He's been rarely right. He was right about the virus coming back in the fall. I'll give him credit for that. Pretty much everything else he's been wrong on. 
and Kristi Noem, governor of South Dakota, putting it right out there from a position of authority. Hey, it's, it's time that everybody understands. He's been wrong an awful lot, and she gave a great example of how that has been. More coming up, including a local story on what is happening with the St. Joseph County Democratic Party. Uh, they don't have a great reputation here. We'll talk about that coming up, 95.3 MNC. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Once again, want to thank R&B Car Company. Locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Find them online at rbcarcompany.com. All right. This is a, a bit of a breaking story over the weekend, and it comes from our friends over at realnewsmichiana.com. A recently uncovered EEOC complaint targets the chair of the St. Joseph County Democrat Party, Stan Rubel. The charge of discrimination claims that Rubel took no, no action when his party's appointee to the voter registration office sexually harassed a female Republican employee of the same office. Oh. The EEOC closed its file on the case last week, citing the respondent employs less than the required number of employees or is not otherwise covered by the statutes. However, the decision lays out the alleged victim's rights to sue Rubel and the St. Joseph Democratic Party based on the charge. The victim, who will not be named by Real News Michiana, would not comment on the possibility of a lawsuit being filed against Rubel. Now, this is um, this is an interesting claim here uh, because you've got a Republican, okay, who is allegedly sexually harassed by a Democrat. Uh, the complaint is filed, and the chair of the St. Joseph County Democratic Party doesn't do anything about it. So, so much for believe all women, right? Uh, the charge also alleges that another Democrat employee of the office, Connor Stinger, created a fake registration card in the time leading up to the 2020 election with the name Lotsa Female Anatomy. With an address which I cannot repeat on the air. Uh, Stinger ran for a seat on the board at the South Bend Community School Corporation in 2020. Now, how often, how often, here, let me, for you live streamers on DLive, here, you can now see uh, what the individual wrote as a voter registration, fraudulent voter registration. Um, here's, here's the thing. You've heard me say this a lot over the years. The lowest common denominator in politics runs for school board. And that's not meant to be a slight on, on, spool, the, on anybody who's you know good at the school board or anything like that. I'm just saying that oftentimes people in the, in the community don't look at who's running for school board. They don't pay any attention to it. It becomes basically a popularity contest within your own neighborhood. And unfortunately, a lot of dumb people get elected to school board across the country. Now, just because you might be on the school board doesn't mean I'm specifically talking about you, okay? So stop with the victim mentality here. But by and large, across the country, school board is an easy post for people, especially activists who are, say, less than bright, to get elected to office and have major influence on how your kids and society will develop going forward. And I've talked about this quite a lot. 
So here we've got somebody who ran for South Bend Community School Corporation, the board in 2020, who is creating a fake, allegedly, a fake registration card leading up to the 2020 election with a sexually graphic registration. Yeah, that sounds like somebody who you would want on the school board in the South Bend School Corporation school board. Yeah, that's that's it. Uh, the victim in the case already filed a federal lawsuit against Muhammad Shabazz, the Democratic board member of the Voter Registration Office, along with the St. Joseph County Board of Commissioners back in December. According to the federal lawsuit, Shabazz sexually harassed the female victim over an extended period of time. The lawsuit says that he was persistent in his advances towards his female Republican colleague. Despite her explaining that she was married, he continued to harass her. He would ask her to kiss. He would call her with sexual advances. And uh, according to, to the reports, he continued his behavior even after the alleged victim notified her superiors. We already know what would happen if this were Republican because we have seen that case play out. Uh, the victim and several others in the office complained about Shabazz's behavior to the county human resources director, Kim uh, Karkowicz. Karkowicz directed Shabazz to work from home, but he returned two weeks later in part because Karkowicz lacked the authority to direct Shabazz's work performance, unquote. Okay. <laughs> now that is because Shabazz was appointed to his position by the chair of the county's Democratic Party. That's according to court documents, uh, which is ruble. So we've got a we've got the chair of the of the wait hold on did I say uh, yeah so we got ruble who is now embroiled in all of this so you got the Democratic Party St Joseph County uh, being accused of multiple people sexually harassing people and leadership not doing anything about it. And it seems like, since the victims tend to be Republican, it seems like they're okay with harassing Republican women. Based on the allegations, if true, of course. Hmm. Okay. Now, let's see. Uh, hold on a second. Uh, okay. Shabazz was appointed to his position by the chair of the County Democratic Party, according to court documents. Knowing she would have to work with her accused sexual harasser, the alleged victim in the case resigned. But that's just what's in the lawsuit. According to the GOP chair, Zach Potts, St. Joseph County GOP chair, his party and office was stonewalled by the Democrats and folks within the county city building for months. I learned of the incident on September 22nd, Potts said, my two Republican workers have been called racial slurs, sexist slurs, and had sexual innuendos made about them and were sexually harassed. Potts also says that he immediately contacted Stan Rubel, the Democrat vice chair for the county's HR department. Mm -hmm. calling for the immediate removal of Shabazz by the beginning of the following week. I heard nothing, he said. The county HR person responded quickly and assured me that they would take matters, uh, that they take matters like this seriously, although we have found that to be false. Four days later, Zach Potts, again, St. Joseph County Republican Party, says that the county attorney contacted him and said Shabazz, or Shabazz, uh, was going to work from home until the 2020 general election, and he agreed to apologize. Since, since when is just working from home and saying you're sorry for sexually harassing somebody okay? This isn't St. Joseph County. This is, this is here. Again, story broken and probably exclusively covered by Clifton French over at Real News Michiana, other than this program here. 
because I haven't seen this show up in a lot of other places, which is a little, a little disconcerting, but not surprising. Uh, by the way, the the post has the the actual documents in it. In case you're like, oh, it's just more more uh, fake accusations. Okay, well, yeah, they're the documents are in the post. Again, realnewsmichiana.com if you want to get the post. Also included in the daily show prep today. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. So I wanted to give you guys an update on what was happening with my, my uh, back and Warren Chiropractic helping me with that. Uh, so I, I've been doing the decompression therapy. So they got me doing a bunch of weird yoga stuff. Uh, but also they've, they've got like uh, lasers that they've been using on my TMJ. So my jaw, these lasers are working on that. They've also done some lasers on the base of my neck because, you know, that's where I have my, my major issues. But uh, at the same time, they are working to correct my posture. Now, here's the thing. I, a lot of people, you, look, you go to a chiropractor, right? And you're going to get the snap, crackle, pop. That's not what Warren chiropractic does they they do that but that is a very small portion of the treatment whereas in most chiropractic offices that is the sole portion of the treatment you go in you get cracked you leave you come back you get cracked you leave and maybe you feel better for a little bit but ultimately you don't feel great because the problem doesn't actually get corrected it's just that temporary endorphin release from the snap crackle pop well at warren chiropractic they are they're putting me on a bunch of equipment and machines that are actively training my spine my ligaments in particular to go back into the right spot i'd be lying to you if i told you it was comfortable it's not but i feel a lot better and here's the thing that i've noticed the most i am way more flexible than i was two weeks ago and i that for me that is a telltale sign that my spine moves, I'm able to twist, I'm able to bend all a lot better with less pain. If you've been dealing with pain with your back, your neck, anything that, that a chiropractor would, would deal with, stop. Go to warrenchiro.com. Let them know that I sent you. On their website, they have new patient offers, okay? Warrenchiro.com. Stop living with the pain and stop popping pills. Warrenchiro.com. Let them know that I sent you. Okay, um, yeah, look, a lot of people are pointing out, you know, St. Joseph County, yes, this was a story in December, okay, remember, in the federal case, the, the story was covered back in December, I think we, we covered it as well, uh, but the, the local issue is now what is being covered by realnewsmichiana.com, and, and, you know, a lot of people have asked me, is realnewsmichiana.com affiliated with, with me? No, it's not. Uh, I know Clifton French. Let me just, let me give you... A little background. You remember me for years telling you that there's no investigative reporters in Michiana. They just don't exist. The, the sum of what our news here is recent graduates going out and covering news as reporters. And then people who just read the news that the Associated Press writes for them um, whenever they, they get a chance to. That's the sum of our news media here. There was one investigative reporter who burst on scene, used to work for ABC 57 no longer does and his name was clifton french and clifton french was the guy who showed up at pete buddha judge his office and cornered him in the elevator and asked him actually some real questions for once and just like that you heard me crack the microphone and said we actually have an investigative reporter ladies and gentlemen we actually have somebody in michiana who will actually dig for a story and you know clifton french 
uh, did a couple more really good stories, um, and then he just kind of disappeared. I didn't know where he went. Well, somebody sent me an article a couple weeks ago, right before Noy, uh, not Noise, but uh, past the mic, and it was an article written by Clifton French. And I'm going, well, son of a gun, he's resurfaced, and or at least I found him, right? So he resurfaced to me. He's been around, but uh, and he has started his own independent news outfit, RealNewsMichiana.com. I am not affiliated with it in any way, shape, or form. I did tell I did tell him that I wanted to have him on on a regular basis to talk about the stories that he breaks. Um, if you go there, I'm, I'm going to just straight up tell you this right now. If you go to realnewsmichiana.com right now, you will see one, two, three, four. You will see four stories that do not get any play anywhere else in the media except for this radio show. And they're all affecting your life right here in Michiana. Go look. We got the case about the EEOC thing. We've got a case about wind energy. We've got a thing about herd immunity. And we've got a thing about extreme abortion clinic volunteers in South Bend. Go ahead. Go look. All stories you're not going to see anywhere else but at realnewsmichiana.com, which I'm not affiliated with. Follow that website. If you have the ability to, subscribe to that website so that way he can continue to do his investigative journalism because you actually have an investigative journalist in Michiana now. So you got to support him because nobody else is doing it. Let's be perfectly honest. I've got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Don't forget, you can watch the live stream at dlive.tv slash Casey the Host.